Hello there. Welcome to Thursday afternoon. It is Thursday, right, Greg? You said it with a tiny bit of trepidation. It is <laughs> Thursday. <laughs> you said it so confidently, and then I saw your head turn, and you looked at me. Yeah, you got it. It's it's all good, buddy. Thursday. It's not quite Friday yet, but you can see it from here. So today, well, hey, it's Thursday. That means it's Carolyn Clausen Day. That is right. She's going to join us at 2.30 to expand on a conversation, a very brief chat we had yesterday where I just... Sort of mention my my weird neuroses about how I, when I go for walks, I don't want to scare people as I'm coming up behind them because I tend to walk a briskly and b I'm not a giant by any stretch of the imagination. You're but not I a am, small man though. Yeah, I'm bigger than the average person, so I don't want people to be startled with this large man coming up behind them who also tends to I tend to look angry all the time. I have that that resting bee face thing going on, so. We're going to expand that conversation at 2.30 and get her thoughts as to whether or not, am I going too far and, and trying to be courteous? And she actually has a really interesting perspective on it. So I'd agree with that. We'll visit that conversation at 2.30. And right now, we want to talk about something that happened to me today. Went to a major retailer in the Polo Park area. I don't want to call out the this, this isn't about shaming this uh, any particular retailer, okay? This this could have this could happen anywhere. In this case it happened to be a major re- retailer in this general area in St. James Polo Park and I dropped my I had to drop my vehicle off at their automotive service department for, you know, I needed to make a purchase. And when you walk in to their store the there is a separate entrance for the auto department, which is not. It's a bit further away from the main entrance. It's a fair hike, actually, to yeah. be fair. Yeah. So I wa- I parked my car as close as I could to the door, so they could find the vehicle. And I walk in, and I notice that it's only an entrance. It says in only. You can't exit through these doors. They want to funnel you through the main exit doors, which, you know, from a business perspective, makes total sense. It's like a a Las Vegas casino designing it like a labyrinth. They don't want you to leave. So I get that. They want you to come in and they want you to walk around the store and maybe you'll buy something. That makes total sense to me from a business perspective. I get the distinct impression, however, that this is a security issue for them, why they've done this. I agree with you. If they were doing it for the other reason, pretty brilliant. I think it's a security issue. Regardless, this is what you need to do, right? You dropped off your vehicle at the appropriate service desk, and then you had to make your way towards the main entrance slash exit. And as you walk in, there's a sign right there that says, all bags must be checked at customer service. And I had my bag because I was dropping this vehicle off and then making my way to work after. So I instead I thought, well, I could check my bag, but I'm going to be in the store for like two minutes. I'm walking to the to the the auto counter, dropping off my car, and leaving, and that's it. So I that's exactly what happened. Give the guy my key. He says, ah, oh, I, I tell him, look, I I'm going to be at work till like six o'clock. No rush. Okay, we'll call you when it's done. Great. I make my way to the main exit, and as I'm leaving the store. Uh, one of the, the clerks calls out to me, excuse me, sir. And he wasn't rude. He was not rude in any way. He says, excuse me, sir, just need to check your bag. And he points to this sign that says all bags must be inspected or subject to inspection. And at this point, I thought, because oh. it, it sort of made me think I should have just checked my bag. And but I was there for two minutes and I said, come on, 
I walked, I've been in the store for two minutes. I just checked my car and now I'm leaving. And you want to check my bag? Well, it's, it's store policy. And he motions with his right hand to the sign. Almost as though saying, look, just the sign says the bag must be checked. Let, just let me check the bag. And at this point, I, I was faced with a choose-your-own-adventure. You remember those books? <laughs> Turn to page 52 <laughs> That's to, right. to check the bag. Turn to page 26 to vacate the premises in anger. So mm. I turned to page 26. <laughs> I said to him, you know what? Maybe that's your policy, but it's not mine. I'm leaving. Ooh. I just threw my glasses in disgust at you. <laughs> <laughs> so as I'm walking out the store, he says, please, sir, and I turned and said, no, if you don't like it, call the cops. I did nothing wrong. I would have walked in, handed in my keys, and walked out that same door. But you prevented me from doing that, which, as Greg pointed out, is likely because of security. And that makes sense. Security uh, more likely than the, than the business thing that I had suggested. Regardless, you because of the way you've set up your store, I have to go through the main exit which means I have more opportunity to steal things, I guess, in your eyes. So even though I'm there to spend hundreds of dollars, you've now made me feel like a thief, like a criminal. I was insulted, and I said, forget it. You don't like it. Call the cops. I feel kind of bad about this. I don't feel bad about the decision I made, but I sort of feel bad for the guy that I was kind of yelling at because he was just this young clerk. He wasn't a teenager, but he was, I bet you, in his early to mid-20s. And there is this almost like this sad kind of call as I'm I'm halfway across the parking lot at this point, and I can still hear him. But come but back, sir, come back, <laughs> please come back. And it sort of reminded me of the the taco guy from The Simpsons. Oh, I dropped a taco in the fryer. Oh, oh. So, yeah, that's what happened to me today. You have uh, your whole take on it is somewhat shifted. Because you were very offended when you first got here. And then as you were doing your work this morning and we were talking about whether or not we would discuss this on air, you're like, I'm starting to feel bad. I'm starting to feel as though I was rude and that. Well, I think I introduced this thing. This happened to me and I feel kind of bad about it. Yeah, but that's not necessarily how you felt when you walked in it. 1020. No, I think that's how I presented it. Yeah. I think so. But as Dr. Cyrus would say, it has ruminated. It has ruminated. I am still offended that they made me feel like a criminal. That's why, That's why, as it has ruminated, I have now decided I'm okay with the fact that I stood my ground. Oh, so I going... just, I feel bad for the interaction with this young clerk. Well, you know what? Uh, he was doing what he needed to do. I think you did what you felt was right. And a first-time texter, no name, says... Oh, my God. OMG, I'm with you. I never let them check my bags at retailers, exclamation mark. I have many times told them to go ahead and call the police. I am not a thief standing firm. Well, that's great, and I thank you for the support. And uh, Don, well, I can't. Don Royce has, I, you know what, I can't even read that. He, he has identified the retailer. So, Don, thank you for your feedback on that. He says he enjoys the show, so that's good enough. How about let's talk to Brad. Brad's waiting patiently at 780-6868. Good afternoon, Brad. Hi, Brad. No, I totally agree with you. I would have done the same thing, like I said to your producer when he answered the phone. Um, you know, he, he painted Joe as to be a criminal, and uh, those are your personal private belongings, and I don't think anybody's got a right to go through those. 
And it, like I had nothing in there. I had uh, my lunch, and uh, I think my I brought my sunglasses today, Greg. So I had the case for my sunglasses in my bag. Like there was nothing in there. Oh, and maybe some Tylenol. Uh, yeah, but I mean, but, but everything was harmless. Like, and that's the point that I'm trying to make. It's your personal belongings, unless you're, you know, unless you're, I don't know, like uh, you look like a real shady character. Uh, you know, I, I would feel the same way. But I also would say shame on you for traumatizing that young man. He's probably going to go home and jump into a ball of whiskey tonight. <laughs> well, you know, he. I feel I feel kind of bad. <laughs> Thanks, Brad. That no. was the perfect end to that. No, I, I, I understand you feel bad because a young kid was probably just doing his job, and he probably gets a lot of that, actually, and it's probably, you know, but... Uh, no, when I, when, when I, you know, all said and done and everything like that, I would have done the same thing. Thanks, Brad. We appreciate it. Thanks for the call and uh, thanks for the insight. Much, uh, much appreciated. We're going to take more of your calls at 204-780-6868. Was I wrong to do what I did? Should I just have opened the stupid bag or was I right to stand my ground and say, if you don't like it, call the cops? Uh, 204-780-6868. That's the number to call. That's the number to text. You can email me at brett at cjob.com, or greg, gmac, at cjob.com. Your forecast is up next. Brett McGarry, he is uh, flouting the regulations at one of our major retailers in town. He says, no, you cannot check my bag in spite of your fancy-dancy sign, which warns me on the way in that my bag is subject to inspection. Correct. He said, no. Not this time. Stood my ground and I said, no, call the cops if you don't like it. Was I wrong? Ron is at 204-780-6868. Hey, Ron, what do you think about this? I think you're wrong. First of all, Ron, are you in a time machine right now? Where are you? No, okay, I can take you off the speaker phone. Okay. Okay, they're better? Yes, that's better. Thank you, Ron. It sounded really neat. I think you're wrong because the kid just had a job to do. He's told by management this is what he has to do, and he just did his job. I don't object of you not wanting your bank check, but talk to management, talk to the people, make the rules. So you think that I should have told this young man I refuse and then said go get your manager and I'll tell him or her to Uh, stuff it? Whoever makes the rules, the manager, yes. That's a, yeah, Ron, hey, that's a fair point. I appreciate that. Maybe that would have been the way to go about it, just to say to this young clerk, hey, you know what? I don't like your policy, but I will stand here and tell your manager I'm walking out of here and you're not checking my bag. Tannis is at 204-780-6868. What do you think, Tannis? What would you have done if it was the airport? If it was the airport, then I fully expect everything to be checked. I expect my shoes okay. to come off. But I expect everything to be checked. security sensors at the entrance of the door. And even if you had had change in your pocket at the airport, you're not a thief. You're not carrying anything on the airplane that you shouldn't be. But if it goes off, you're more than expected to do it at the airport. But something happens at the store and you're not willing to do it, even though you know you don't have anything in your pockets? Well, it comes with two. I mean, Tannison, it's a fair point, and I thank you for bringing it up. But it, it, mm-hmm. they're, they're completely different circumstances. When you go to an airport, you go in with the understanding that you will be subject to a thorough security uh, check, that the, you, you know that that's a part of the deal. you got to check in. you got to go through security. They tell you to take your shoes off. You take your shoes off. They open your bag and swab for explosives. You let them do it, and you keep your mouth shut. But if I'm in a store for two minutes, 
and they want to check my bag. You know what? I just spent a whole bunch of money here, and you want to check my bag, and I and make me feel like a criminal. No, I I I think they're completely different things. Uh, I don't tend to agree with you. I know that the, in this part we'll agree to disagree, but if you think about it, out of twenty people that walk into that store in the same circumstances as you, what if that's one person out of that twenty that winds up being a thief, and the buzzer goes off for every one of those twenty? So they should just go, no, go on through, go on through. You're only here for a few seconds. Go ahead. Well, and here's my buzz. The buzzer right? didn't go off, Tennis. The buzzer did not it, go off. It did not go off? No. This is a random check. This is the store policy for them to, to check all bags, including on this store has just started checking the bags of your purchases like they do at the major wholesaler in town. They check your cart and go through your and evaluate your bill. Uh, they've started doing that with your purchases now, but they've had in place for some time this policy of wanting to check your personal bag, whether there's any sort of security alarm going on or off. Like in any case, no. they're no. reserving the, the right to do this. If security alarm goes off, that's one thing, but no, you're in the right then. Okay, Tannis, okay. there we go. <laughs> See, he's got to talk it out sometimes. Okay, thank I wasn't you sure much, we were going to get there to where Tannis uh, agreed with you 100%, but no, it's good to talk about it. And I, again, I mean, I, I I appreciate the perspective regardless because it is interesting how in one circumstance where I know I've done nothing wrong, going to an airport. Right. I remember being in at the airport in Windsor, Ontario, this tiny little airport with two gates, and they were checking my bag. They were swabbing it. And I'm like, sure. And, I, and, of course, I'm terrified to talk to this, say anything, because please don't put me in jail <laughs> because they have the right to do it. Sure. I just said, if you don't mind my asking, what exactly are you doing? We're swabbing your bag for explosives. Oh, Okay, <laughs> carry on. I think at the airport, there's a sense that it's being done for your safety as well. Yeah. And so you want them doing this, right? There's no animosity. You understand that if one person gets through with something they're intending to do harm to others with, you may be one of those people. Mm. And so I think there's a give and take there. But when you're shopping, I understand loss prevention is a huge priority for retailers, but I think there's away or maybe we've just gotten to the point where it's become such a big issue that this is the next thing in their arsenal to cut down on on shoplifting i that's why we're having the conversation karen is that uh, or is karen still there is yes that, i am hi karen what's your uh, what's your take on this well firstly i want to say to you my my son is a loss prevention officer and you cannot imagine what goes on in, in a day and with your type of attitude, it just pushes people back. There's so much stuff going on in these stores. I disagree with you just walking out and being flippant on calling the police. That's a normal reaction, even from a thief. I'm not saying you are, but that is a normal reaction from somebody that's taken something from a store. So, Karen, things have gotten so bad that this is the the next thing that they have to combat the incredible amount of theft. Well, what what else can you do? You have to you have to draw the line somewhere. I, uh, lots of women go in stores as they take their children with them, and then they put up a big fuss when they want to have their their baggage their stuff checked. They won't allow it but yet they're the ones doing it. Well, and Karen, you know what? And, and listen, thank you for voicing your your uh, dissent 
to my opinion, because this isn't a, you know, this is a democracy. And we, I was looking for dissenting opinions because I wanted, that was the question. Did I, was I wrong to do what I did? And maybe, Karen, maybe the evolution of shopping is going to simply, is going to be like what Tana said. Maybe it, like the airport where it's right. automatic. That well, everything maybe is you'll checked. get searched on the way in and on the way out. Yeah. As you do at hockey games now. Bob Sikalski, who's a lawyer in town, he's going to help us walk through some of the legalities and what your rights are on this front. And uh, we're getting a ton of text messages on this. So we'll continue the conversation through until two o'clock on this. Let's get Lawrence in here before we got a break for news. Hey, Lawrence, what is your take on this? Well, I appreciate you taking my call. Uh, I have to agree with the last caller. I, I disagree with uh, with what you did. Uh, I'm sure if I came down to CJOB and said, uh, hey, I want to go into the uh, control room right now during the show, I wouldn't be allowed. And if I protested, CJOB could say, well, those are rules that we have set up for any number of reasons to protect our programming, protect our staff, et cetera, et cetera. And whether you like it or not, those are the rules. And this retailer is completely within their rights to set up rules to try to reduce uh, theft and shoplifting, and and again, I I'm not trying to change your mind, but uh, if I'm trying to set a good example for my children, uh, there's rules in society, and the rules help keep society running. And when we flippantly disregard the rules, I think that sets a bad precedent for many different things. I realize this is just a bag; you weren't trying to do anything more dangerous, but. Uh, uh, opening your bag and letting this young man check, I don't think would have been that big of a deal. Well, Lawrence, I thank you for the call and for your honesty and your opinion on this, because this is why we have these conversations. I wanted to genuinely know, was I wrong to think this? Did I do the wrong thing or did I do the right thing? I was genuinely uncertain about this, and now I have feedback on both sides. We're going to continue this conversation because I'm still not decided. I had to. I, I I said at the beginning of the show, I'm okay with my decision. But now that I've heard some level-headed people on both sides of the coin, maybe I maybe I don't know what to think. Well, let's get a legal opinion. What are your rights on this, Rob? Randy, hang tight. We will get to your calls as soon as we can. We're going to step aside. Brett's going to read some news from Global in just a moment. Update your forecast, and then more conversation. He's McGarry. I'm Mackling. Hope you're having a great Thursday afternoon. We're going to visit the legal ramifications and the legal details around Brett's quandary from earlier today. Thank you so much. We're doing our best to get through all of these text messages. So many great comments here. Uh, long and short of it, Brett, is you felt uncomfortable and bothered and maybe you're right somewhat infringed upon by having a certain retailer in town demand to see the inside of your backpack on your way out of the retailer that you were in for uh, less than five minutes, you refused that bag inspection and uh, suggested that if they had a problem with it, they could call the police. Is that a good uh, yep. a good uh, 20-second version of what happened to you this morning? That is an adequate Reader's Digest summary of what happened today. And We're getting all sorts of feedback as to whether or not Brett did the right thing. Uh, a lot of people saying he did. A lot of people saying, hey, man, chill out. It's just a backpack. Yeah. Let him look. And I had nothing in there to hide, so what's the big deal? Rob is at 204-780-6868. Rob, what do you think? Well, I was just telling your producer, I happened to be in that store yesterday, I guess around 6 o'clock or so, with my daughter. I had pulled up into the parking lot to go inside, and all of a sudden, uh, black and white pulled up in between the two front doors, and two officers got out and went inside. So we proceeded to go inside behind them, and they sort of went off into a sort of room in the back and uh, 
few minutes later, they walked out with a guy in handcuffs. And one of the officers was carrying a backpack that I guess that he must have been wearing. And they proceeded to walk him out the door and sort of understand why they do what they do. Even, you know, you see the security guard when you walk in all in black with, you know, security on his chest. And you see the signs about checking bags. But yet people are still going in and still shoplifting, even with all that. So, you, like, you know, you sort of feel for them, like, what are they supposed to do? How do you, how do you stop it? That's a fair point, Rob, and I thank you for the feedback. This is why we have these conversations. I ask an honest question. Was I wrong? I don't really know. Matt says at 780, legally, I don't think a business has any authority to check your personal property upon exiting unless they observed you shoplifting. However, if they wish to check your bag upon your entry, they could deny you access if you decline. That from Matt. And with that, we go to... Our friend Bob Sikulski, Hill Sikulski, Walsh and Olson. He's a litigator, counsel. Bob, do places of business have the right to search your bag when you're leaving the premise? If they give you notice on the way in. If, uh, if as I understand it, uh, some retailers um, have notice posted on entry that you have the opportunity to either check your bag at the door or have it subject to inspection on departure. If they don't give you notice of that, then I would think they're unreasonably invading your privacy. And what they have to have is a level playing field, and that's where I scratch my head, and I wonder what your listeners think about this. What's a bag? Uh, where do they draw the line? Is Does it include, apparently it includes a knapsack. Might it include a purse? Might it include... A briefcase? Might it include a fanny pack? Might it include someone who's wearing a big coat or cargo pants with big pockets? Then what do you do? Check your pants at the door or have your pants subject to inspection? I mean, those those sound like exaggerated examples, but then if you're going to have a policy, you have to have some certainty to it. And then another question arises. Is everyone subject to it? Or might there be some profiling? Is it uniformly applied? Those are questions that need to be answered. Another question. Right beside that sign that says, bag subject to inspection, or you have the option to check it at the door. Is there a sign beside it that says, not responsible for lost or stolen articles? That is sometimes a condition of entry to uh, entertainment venues, bars, nightclubs that insist on coat checking but have a sign there that says not responsible for lost or stolen articles. What do you do then? Well, one option is you vote with your feet and you don't go in. Outstanding points. And if, as Brett did, you decide not to open your bag upon request, Bob, and and you walk and you, you march out, can you be detained in any way, shape, or form? That's a good question, Um, because the terms of entry were that the bag would be subject to inspection. Then on exit, you refuse to allow it to be inspected, and can you be detained? That's arguably you can, because you agreed to those terms, arguably, but is that notice posted on entry sufficient to make that argument successful. 
That, I think that's a challenging point. Whoever's putting up these notices may have to be more clear and stipulate that bags subject to inspection, if not checked, and if you refuse, you consent to being detained. Wow. Well, you get too many lawyers involved, you get too many words, and you get fewer customers because you start posting notices like that, mm-hmm. and then the retailer has to draw the line between are we going to spook our customers away or are we going to have some level of tolerance for pilferage? Well, and regarding the, the point of being detained, uh, one of my friends texted me and said that, they once went to a similar retailer, and the store locked him in. They wouldn't let him out until the clerk buzzed open the gate because he was refusing to open his bag. He had to basically open the bag before they would let him out the door. And has has that person or has anyone else um, made a claim for unlawful arrest, unlawful detention, false imprisonment? And that that could possibly be done. A claim could be made, but is it worth it? Do you go to small claims court and say, well, I lost a half hour of my life. How long was your friend detained? Uh, not long, a couple of minutes. Okay. Well, what if you're detained there until, as I heard one of the callers say, the police arrived and the police took this person away in handcuffs? Uh, I'm, I'm going to guess that there's more to the story. I'm doubtful that police would take someone away in handcuffs simply for refusing to allow their bag to be inspected. Yeah, I don't think there was that intimation, Bob, that that, that's why that person yesterday was was taken away in handcuffs. So I think the, the point was made that, you know, just an example of the hard time at that particular store that they have with shoplifting. Well, and but my point is, simply refusing inspection, I don't think is going to trigger an arrest with handcuffs. I'm going to speculate that that person got into a pushing and shoving match, made a threat, or did something else beyond simple refusal. Okay, so bottom line here, I guess, Bob, is that now I I don't know, I cannot remember if the sign that was posted at the entrance, if it said bags subject to inspection, but it definitely said all bags must be checked at customer service, and perhaps there was some fine print there. But I just ignored it because I was planning to be in the store for no more than two minutes, so I didn't Uh, think it would be a big deal. I'm with you. if, If I'm carrying my briefcase... Uh, There are so many notices around this city, don't leave your laptop in your car because they may be subject to theft. So I don't leave my briefcase in my car. I don't leave my laptop in my car. I carry those things with me. So if I'm carrying my briefcase and I'm going into a retailer and I expect to be there for precious few minutes, I'm like you and not likely to check it anywhere. And quite frankly, we're all busy people. We're not likely to read the fine print on a notice. So I'm going to walk in, and then on the way out, someone's going to ask me if they can have a look into my briefcase. Well, my briefcase contains personal and confidential information about clients. I'm going to be reluctant. And there could be not necessarily pushing and shoving, but an argument until they take me over and say, Sir, here's the sign that you may or may not have read upon entry, but that sign is giving notice. Then what? 
Good question. I probably would allow the inspection of my briefcase under very carefully managed circumstances so that I pull my papers aside so no one can see any of my papers with confidential information and say, there's the briefcase. Do you see a bar of soap in there? Do you see anything with a label in there? No. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks for doing business. And I'll do my shopping elsewhere. Bob, incredibly insightful. We appreciate it very much. And on short notice to boot. Thank you, sir. All right, guys. Happy to do it. Take, Take care. care. Bob Sikulski, litigator counsel with Hill Sikulski, Walsh Olson. So uh, I'm gathering then that the store, from what he said, the store more or less had the right to to ask. And I said, I... You I kind was, of also have the right to refuse. Okay. Kevin is at 204-780-6868. Kevin, thanks for your patience. What do you think? Uh, always a pleasure to hear you guys. Um, you want to know something? You weren't doing anything wrong, but you understand the guy's doing his job. But, you know, there's nothing... You're not doing anything wrong. You didn't steal anything. There's nothing in the bag that's going to make anybody call the police. Hey, just open it. There you go. Thanks for coming out. But what I would do is, is, in, in your situation now would... I told the management, explain to them how you feel, how it made you feel. But I'd go back and see that guy and bring him a McDouble and I would, or something from somewhere, or even just to go back and apologize to him. You know, because if you know he's just doing what he's got to do. But I don't well, and Kevin, you, uh, you know what, call. Kevin, thank you. That's a good point. And I honestly, I will admit, I'm thinking about this today. If I go back to the store, when I go back to get my vehicle, <laughs> as many people are pointing out. Brett realizes they have his vehicle, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> yes. And here's a, a an amusing text from Ryan. And while I'm reading this, Greg, you had another hilarious text that I think we should share. <laughs> Ryan says, hey, Brett, it might be your personal belongings, but you did bring it into their store. I think the biggest thing about this is you need to stop being one of those tender teacup princesses by saying you felt offended. They made you feel like a criminal? Maybe Greg can get you a blankie and a bottle. <laughs> I'll go warm up the bottle. But uh, before I do that, I'm going to run to the uh, <clears throat> sex toy store because one of our <laughs> listeners suggested that you carry around a lar- rather large sex toy in your bag for shock value. Was and it? that's a that's a paraphrase. <laughs> Something big, black, and rubber, I presume? Uh, yes, and battery-operated. <laughs> oh, sure. Here, you want to see what's in my bag? Have a look. <laughs> 204-780-6868 is the number to call and the number to text. Thank you so much for your feedback on both sides of the issue. Trying to help me figure out if I was right or wrong. 147, your forecast. Next. I'm Brett. He is Greg. We are talking about a situation that happened to me today. I dropped my car off at a, a major retailer in the St. James area today. I needed to make a purchase for my automobile and leave it in their possession. I walked in, gave them my key, and went to walk out of the store. I had my bag with me because I can't leave it in the car. I need to bring it with me to work. And as I was leaving the store, they tried to stop me to check my bag, and I refused. I was miffed. I was in there for two minutes. I was pre- I'm was getting ready for a transaction that's going to cost me several hundred dollars, and I was annoyed, insulted, felt like a criminal, and I said no. And I sort of felt, well, kind of guilty about it, but should I feel guilty? I don't know. What do you think? So that's where this <laughs> conversation started. We're getting tons of feedback. 
Bob Sikalski joined us, gave us the legal outline and one more legal opinion. And Matt, I think you're right on this. Police don't even have the authority to randomly stop people and search through their bags. However, as Bob pointed out, and I think one other texter or caller pointed out, actually I think it's Michael who texted us and said it is private property. And the uh, sub section to that would be the fact that you were warned that they said that you might be subject to inspection upon leaving the store. And here's another thing, and I, I don't I don't know if this would have been an option, but in this store, there is a sign that says, it says quite explicitly, this is not an exit. But somebody has suggested, I'm sure they could have just buzzed you out had you just asked. Maybe they, maybe there is an option to just say, "Listen, I'm not, I'm not doing any shopping. I just came in to drop off my car. Can I go out this door?" Interesting. And maybe they would have said, "Yeah, yeah, go ahead. We'll just buzz you out." I don't know if that's an option. So thank you for that thought. Here's a here's a fairly long story. Here was stopped at uh, a big wholesaler. We'll say when leaving, walked out with stro- a stroller, stopped and was cooing at a baby in an infant uh, seat, zipping up the snowsuit. Was laughing and smiling, was asked asked to open my diaper bag. For what, I asked. We have to do random checks. They replied, I was so upset. Don't you need a reason, I asked. Go ahead and look. No, you have to open it, they said. I zipped it open and showed them pampers and baby wipes. She apologized and showed me the sign on the wall. This was so upsetting as I felt as though they thought I was using my baby to steal. Isn't everything in uh, this store supersized? What could fit in this little bag? I muttered. I guess executive members get the royal treatment. My husband went ahead and was loading up groceries to make it easier for me and baby. So I guess I look suspicious leaving without any purchases. That's from Don. That then there was a similar text uh, that somebody sent. It was something along the lines of, so you were in the store for under five minutes and walked out without buying anything? Yeah, that doesn't look suspicious at all. Uh-huh. uh-huh. That's fair. Welcome to my world. Every day is a six foot three inch, uh, in his words, native man. I have to shop with my family and have floor walkers or employees follow me around. I don't carry a backpack anymore because I got sick of being asked to open my bag or leave it at the counter. You had every right to feel offended. That's from Dale. Thanks, Dale. Dave texts that thieves are very clever and stores need to be tough. Thieves are old. They're young, friends, family. So rules are there to protect against thieves. Dave, thank you for that. Uh, here is another text. Uh, well, sorry, we're having a hard time keeping up with all the texts because every time we start <laughs> reading one, one or more come in. So uh, thanks for uh, sticking with us here. My buddy's friend was mad at his brother, and he had to go to law courts. His brother put a chrome <laughs> sexual toy in his jacket. Can I say vibrator on the air? I just, just said did? it. Uh, when when he walked in and through the metal detector, it went off. Guess what they found? <laughs> so you see, sometimes people uh, like to play games that way. Oh, and here's another text that someone said, you should have just done what everyone else does and go out that indoor. I actually watched someone try to go out that 
door that was only an in entrance, and it wouldn't. It wouldn't. the The security gate would not swing the other way. It was only. It was a one way in kind of deal. We have a gentleman who used to work security, says, was working in the security field. And I just want to say that the show is interesting. The company I work for uh, do uh, dollar stores uh, and the liquor mart. And people always come in with their backpacks. And they're the two worst places for theft. I know that's a little different than what you're talking about. But it's always hard to know who's trying to pull a fast one and who's honest. So it's not easy for us on this end trying to do our jobs. Wes, thanks for doing your job. And I'm just trying to find the beginning part of this text because sometimes what happens when these text messages get sent in is they get split in half. Oh, here we go. I disagree with what you did. This is the kind of action that teaches our youth of today. They don't need to show any respect for authority. Store has a policy. The clerk was only trying to execute the policy. He should have called the police. And had you detained, your two-minute stop would have turned into four hours, and it would serve you right. One more from Kristen. That's ridiculous. I would no longer shop there. The airport checks for the security uh, for all, not for shoplifting. So now we should expect to be checked at every store. If this is the case, I will continue to shop online. Then I will not be treated as a criminal. Retail's already dying. This will be the nail, the final nail in the coffin. Thank hmm. you to everyone for all of your texts and feedback on either side of the issue. I very much appreciate it. And when I go back to the store, and if I see that young man, I'm going to at least apologize to him. I'm still undecided as to whether or not I did the right or wrong thing. But Somebody said he probably got fired. <laughs> so oh, he might God. not be there when you get back. Oh, God. <laughs> I hope that's not the case. News at 2 o'clock up next. Thursday afternoon, 2.05, coming up to 2.06. Hope you're having a fantastic day. Wherever you may be tuning in, maybe it's the end of your weekend or the beginning of your weekend, or maybe you're working those odd shifts. We always like to thank everyone that works the shift work so that we can do the things that we need to do on our days off, our hours away from 680 CJOB. So thanks for doing that, all the frontline workers. Retail workers, we love you very much. We know it's a tough job, and uh, thanks for all your feedback in the last hour on our conversation about having your bags checked at uh, retailers. We will do our best to get around to that discussion later on this afternoon. An overwhelming number of text messages. We're going to shift gears fairly dramatically here. We're going to visit with a young woman who could, if we had the proper apparatus, lift both Brett and I at the same time. It's absolutely unbelievable. Her name is Haley Costanuic, and she is a power lifter. And it was brought, her story was brought to our attention. She's a local powerlifting champion, and she's trying to raise money to compete in the worlds in Belarus. So we thought, we got to get this young woman in here. So, Haley, thank you so much for joining us today on 680 CJOB. Thank you. Thank so, you for having me. So is that an exact, do you think that's an exaggeration to say that if you put us on the end of a bar that you could lift us? I don't think so, no. I think I could probably do Probably. Yeah? <laughs> I could probably do that. Yeah. yeah. What's the most you've ever lifted? Uh, the most I ever squatted is 540 pounds. Oh, then you could do it no problem. Wow. Easy. <laughs> we could each be holding quarter pounders and she could still do it. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> so how did you get into powerlifting? Um, I got into it out of CrossFit. I started a CrossFit gym and probably six months after I started there, I had a couple coaches who I guess realized I was a little abnormally strong for a female, and uh, they asked me to do a meet, and I thought it was a terrible idea, and I didn't want to do it at all, 
And then I guess I researched it a little bit and found a local one and did my first one that way. When was this, by the way, that they recognized this in you? 2014. Yeah, I think. Oh, way back in 2014. Not so it's, that. It's not that long <laughs> it's ago. Not that long ago. <laughs> no. At all. Maybe you could tell us what's the difference between powerlifting and weightlifting. Uh, really similar kind of setup. Uh, powerlifting has squats, bench, and deadlifts. You get three attempts at each, and weightlifting has uh, snatches and clean and jerks. So again, three attempts at each. So. Similar. Now, and you're lifting, is that all three of those off an apparatus or a rack of some sort? I guess the, obviously the bench press. Yeah. And then uh, squat, do you lift, do you take it off the rack? Yeah, off the rack. And then what's the third? Deadlifts. Deadlifts. So that's off the ground or yeah. off the rack? Off the ground. Off the ground. Off okay. The ground. And then what, meant, yeah, up to yeah. your knees or something? Or how far do you lift that deadlift? Uh, deadlifts it usually until you've locked your hips out, essentially. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just trying to paint a radio That's picture okay. for people yeah. so that they know the difference. And you mentioned something called a snatch and a clean and jerk. Mm-hmm. Did, did I get those? So you'll have to forgive our ignorance. I, okay. I, 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 the last time I lifted weights was, uh, I think when I lifted my television to move it across <laughs> the room. So what is uh, a snatch and a clean and jerk? A uh, snatch is your bar goes from the ground uh, to overhead in one movement. Okay. Um, and a clean and jerk is it goes from the ground to your shoulders and your shoulders to overhead, so two movements. And okay. so those would be the movements and the weightlifting competitions yeah. that people would be familiar with from the Olympics. Yeah. Powerlifting is not as of yet an Olympic sport. Right. Right. Oh, how does that make you feel then? Terrible. Yeah? It would be great if it was an Olympic sport. Is there a push to make it happen? Yeah, they've been they've been working on it. We had uh, got recognized, I guess, as being eligible to go into it. We had the Olympic Committee come watch us in Texas last year at the World Championships, um, but I don't know too much of where it's gone from there. So, what's the process in terms of you representing Canada mm-hmm. in the World Championships for the yeah. second year in a row? Yeah. So last year, the World Championships were in Texas. How did you proceed? Where was the national championship? Uh, Tell us a little bit about the journey to Worlds. So last year, I went to nationals for the first time. It was in uh, Regina, Saskatchewan. Um, I took gold there by uh, quite a big number. And then, uh, yeah, joined Team Canada, went to Texas, and came home uh, silver medalist. I was third in... Two lifts, fourth and another, and came home second. So they do, uh, rank you on the three individuals, and then is there a combined score? So is there four yeah. medals up for grabs, essentially? Yeah, one, one for each. You can medal in each lift, and you can medal overall. Fantastic. And yeah. then this year, where were nationals, and, and where are the worlds this year? This year, we were in Saguenay, Quebec for nationals. Oh, beautiful. Place um, to go. So that was interesting. And then, uh, yeah, Minsk, Belarus is where we're headed to for worlds. Now, you, you glossed over the fact that clearly you, you won again. <laughs> yeah, I won it. I won it uh, nationals this year. Is there so, any competition in Canada for you? It's uh, right now. I have a, a little bit of a bigger spread between me and the next up ladies, but you never know. Each year, I mean, the year that I went to nationals for the first time, I came out of the woodwork and surprised people with my numbers. So you kind of never know if somebody else is going to come out of it when you show up. How long have there been world championships in this? I think I think this is the. F- the fifth year or the sixth year. So it's a fairly new sport. It's newer, yeah. And uh, you kind of come in halfway in that. Yeah. What did you do before this? You, you mentioned the fact that you you were doing CrossFit, mm-hmm. but you were a very well accomplished athlete in another sport before that. Yeah, I was in volleyball um, up until my started my first year of university. I had played from elementary all the way through high school. 
I decided not to take scholarships that I had when I left uh, high school, and I stayed here. You had scholarships for volleyball, mm-hmm. and you didn't take them? I didn't, no. Why not? I don't know. I think it was a combination of not knowing if I wanted to go to that level and not knowing how do you leave your family and your friends and move somewhere totally new by yourself. So, What schools were offering your scholarships or school? Um, I'd have to, I don't remember. One, I think one was in Canada and two were in... Uh, one in North Dakota, one in South Dakota. And what uh, position did you play in volleyball? Uh, I was power power hitter, outside player. Fantastic. Yeah. See the modesty; she doesn't even remember. <laughs> I'd have all the letters. I'd have all the letters framed. <laughs> to this no. day, they'd still be hanging on a wall somewhere. They'd have dust on them, but I'd be uh, showing them off. So uh, going to Minsk, mm-hmm. I mean, this is uh, Belarus. Have, have you ever been overseas before? No, I have uh, never been anywhere really other than the states. So this is going to be an adventure yeah. on all fronts, right? Yeah, it's kind of a big, big trip for me. So the fact that uh, powerlifting isn't an Olympic sport mm-hmm. poses some other issues in terms of funding, right? Yeah, makes it much more difficult for sure. You end up kind of on on the hook for your own your own fees to travel there and accommodations and and everything. I mean, you have your own lifter fees to pay and things like that. So it becomes really expensive really fast. So this becomes really uh, about the passion of doing the sport. Yeah. Powerlifting is not really a sport that has money in it. You don't really win money at competitions, anything like that. You kind of win for yourself and you do it because you love it. That's about it. And you get to walk around saying, I'm stronger than everyone else. I try not to say that, but it (laughs) might might happen every once in a while. (laughs) Is there any... Uh, sort of rivalry with weightlifting between powerlifting? Like, do powerlifters and weightlifters not like each other? Not that I know of, no. They don't really, like, those two worlds don't really seem to, like, mix over each other. Like, coming into powerlifting, I didn't, like, run into a bunch of weightlifters or anything like that. It stays pretty pretty separated. Okay. Yeah. And would you, who like, who would be, and I'm not trying to pit the two against each other or start some sort of a brawl. Yeah. But, uh, and I just asked this from Which a place would be of interesting. Who is stronger, technically? Like, if you put a power lifter up against a weightlifter, is, can, can someone who is familiar with both objectively say, this category is stronger? I'd probably say it's weightlifting, to be honest with you. If you, like, if you've watched it in the Olympics, like, the numbers people are pulling out at different body weights is unbelievable. Um, and most of them, if you took them and they're a little more, it's more technical. Their lifts are harder to accomplish for sure. If you took them out and moved them into more of a static lift, like a squat, they're probably absolutely phenomenal. Okay. I would say theirs is probably for sure. Well, Alexiev was the guy I remember mm-hmm. lifting for the, the Soviet Union yeah. at that point. And he yeah. was like the strongest dude in the world for a long time. And he yeah. was kind of diminutive. He wasn't all that tall, but oh my gosh, he was so strong. And uh, really the first exposure I had to weightlifting uh, of any uh, at any time, the 1976 Olympics, he was absolutely fantastic. So what's yeah. next? Uh, you know, you're going to go to Worlds and are there some sponsorship opportunities perhaps? Or I mean, uh, I don't understand why somebody wouldn't want to have you as a spokesperson. <laughs> I think it because it's, it's not as big of a sport as a lot of things. There's a little bit less opportunity for it. Um, And a lot of businesses that are involved with it or different companies that do clothing or things like that, they're smaller usually um, because it's a smaller community. It's grown a lot since I've started in it. So I'm assuming it's hoping it's going to continue. But no, I haven't. uh, I don't have really much in terms of sponsorship opportunities right now. Maybe down the line. I'm I'm not sure. But uh, 
Some people do, but there's not a ton of it, especially in Canada. In the States, they think there's a little bit more, um, but in Canada, there's not much. Haley Kostanuik is our guest. She is an elite power lifter. She wants to, she has an opportunity to go compete and represent Canada at the Worlds in Belarus, but she is trying to raise funds to get there. So we'll tell you how you can make a contribution if you would like. And I want to learn about her training as we carry on our conversation with Haley after your forecast which is up next. That weekend forecast is garbage, I say. It's garbage. But Throw it away. This is not garbage. Chris Franzik has qualified for the Okanagan bucket list flyaway to Predator Ridge contest. Congratulations, Chris. The grand prize winner will be revealed April 28th. All the details on this glorious prize package at cjob.com. We are visiting with our new friend, Haley Kostaniuk. I knew I'd butcher that. Did I get close? <laughs> Kostaniuk? Kostaniuk. Kostaniuk. Well, I typed it wrong. See, the I goes before the U. Oh, but yes. you see, if yeah. you type it right and the U goes behind, then you get Kostaniuk. <laughs> you see? Haley, I'm so sorry. She's a local powerlifting champion. She's uh, going to the Worlds in Minsk, Belarus, an incredible adventure regardless. And we were talking about sponsorship and the whole idea of uh, that money can be a little bit challenging. Uh, you've done very well in terms of raising money to get you to Worlds, but have you got a little ways to go yet? Yeah, a little ways to go still. How sure. can people help out if they'd like to do that? Um, I said about a GoFundMe page under my name and the name of the trip, so IPF uh, World Championships. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spell it. Okay. Haley, H-A-I-L-E-Y. Did I get yeah, that right? At it. least. <laughs> and then the last name, K-O-S-T-Y-N-U-I-K. Uh, go to GoFundMe there. What's, what's your goal? What are you trying to raise and where are you at? Um, I'm at uh, almost $2,300 and my goal was 4000 Fantastic. It's so you're there. getting close. You'll get yeah, there very close. without question. This is a young woman who's uh, representing Manitoba on the world stage. Great question here from a loyal listener. Uh, Matt, how does your guest feel about men who identify as female competing against women? This just happened in New Zealand. You said you'd heard about that. What feelings do you have about that? I think I, I probably have some mixed feelings about it. I mean, in one hand, I, I want to support it. And on another hand, I know that there's a very big difference, I guess, just genetically being a male and competing as a female, even it's how you identify. I mean, so I understand in one way being wanting to compete there, but I understand another way, I guess, people not supporting it because it is a different advantage, I guess. So we were talking about how much you can lift. I think it was 540 pounds for a squat. Yeah. And then just refresh my memory, how much for a deadlift? 500 for a deadlift. And then what's the other category? Uh, bench, and it's 265. Oh, two six, that's it, 265. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, pretty impressive. But you were telling us off air mm-hmm. that some of the people that you compete against, and one young woman in particular blew you away with her bench press. Yeah, there is. Uh, her name is Jen Thompson. She is an American weightlifter. And I, I can't remember exact body weight. It's somewhere in the mid to lower 100-pound range. And uh, she benches, I believe, 330 pounds. So she it's can amazing. lift triple her body weight, essentially, almost. Close, Ish. yeah. It's very it's very impressive to see. Have you ever hurt yourself doing this? Uh, I've been lucky enough so far to not have hurt myself. What is, Are there steps that you have to take to prevent injury while you're doing it? Like, do you have to wear any special... Uh, apparel or equipment like uh, knee pads or something knee brace i guess 
Yeah, we have different things. I mean, you have a, a belt for sure. You get, um, I wear knee sleeves and wrist straps, depending on which lift you're at. Um, but I mean, outside of that, I mean, uh, like mobility. Some people do massage and chiropractor and things like that. Just taking care of your body in general. Now you, you say some people. Does that mean you don't go down I that have, road? I have not gone down that road yet, but I should. I should. Like it seems like at every turn, the answers you're giving us uh, really indicate that you're a natural athlete. I think I think so. Yeah, I would consider myself a natural athlete, uh, and, and that's amazing. What do you do to supplement in in terms of? Uh, I wasn't trying to use that word <laughs> particularly, <laughs> but in terms of uh, uh, diet and whatnot, how do you get your strength? How do you you know stay energized? It's got to be a real challenge. Uh, it changes based on your training. I mean, I have training schedules that have me eating four thousand calories a day, and if I'm out of competition, I'm eating normal like under 2000 calories a day so it depends completely on my training um i eat a lot of protein try and keep it as balanced as possible but like in terms of actual supplements i don't really take any I haven't eaten them have you got any go-to foods that you know that you know if you need a boost and you need some energy is there is there anything that you go oh yeah if i have you know i'm a raspberry guy if uh, you know raspberries yeah. and berries are really good uh, if i need a little bit of energy or bananas as we yeah. we talk about on the air yeah. have you got any of those go-to foods or, i don't think so no 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 not that i found so far nothing in particular all right well let us know okay, okay. <laughs> if you find That's anything good. so i'm just going to try to google that that page it's a gofundme page haley costa newick uh, there, yeah. So if you want to help Haley get to Minsk, Belarus, all you got to do is Google Haley Kostanuik GoFundMe, or you can just email me, Brett at CJOB.com or GMAC at CJOB.com, and we will get you the link. And as well, uh, we there's more information on Haley at Undefeated CrossFit. Uh, dot com if you want to read her profile. She's an incredible woman, she's super strong, she could lift me and Greg over her head. Maybe, no, maybe not over your head. Probably not over my head. Okay, but still, that's a lot of squat. weight. Squat. Yeah, you, <laughs> squat. She, could, she could squat us with ease. If you could find a bar that could hold that kind of weight. <laughs> so, Haley, congratulations for your success, and uh, Godspeed in Belarus. I hope you, you. you conquer the, you climb the mountain and take the gold this time. Thank you. Thank I promise you you'll much. let us know how you do, okay? I, I know all humility, and you're so humble, <laughs> which is uh, maybe uh, the most charming thing about you, uh, how humble you are. Let us know how you do, because we, we'd love to talk to you again. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Haley. Coming up to the 2.30 News on 680 CJOB. 2.34. Hope you're having a fantastic Thursday. Je m'appelle Greg. I'm Brett. Great to have you aboard. And it's Thursday at 2.30. That means Carolyn Clausen is here, Connexus Counseling. She's here every Thursday that she can make it when she's not in the tropics. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Two Thursdays out of what, the last uh, six years. And uh, On no. a day like today, though, that sounds awfully mm, feeling sure again. it does. Yeah. It's so funny when you have that point of reference, right? If you don't go, it's like, oh, what would it be like when you know what it would be like? <laughs> that makes it even twice as difficult. Brett has been so giving yes. on the program yesterday and today, in fact. And so, Brett, I feel kind of bad that uh, one of your situation uh, is kind of, can I, let me, can I start that again? Yes. One of your situations is going to come under the microscope again this afternoon, even though we spent the first hour kind of, you know, hammering on you or patting you on the back, depending on what side of the issue you were on. And and uh, I'm just going to kind of push my chair away and let you guys talk a little bit. Well, Carolyn Clausen is a therapist with Connexus Counseling. Her website is connexuscounseling.ca. And Greg and I had a chat yesterday, Carolyn, just sort of a, it was one of those kind of 
what are we going to talk about here? Well, it just sort of happened on the air. And I started talking about how when I go for walks, whether it's walking to work, which where I walk with a real sense of purpose because I'm tr- always trying to break my own personal land speed record. <laughs> um, so Good I, to have goals, Brett. But Good to I have don't, goals. So I don't like to run. So I just like to walk really fast. And because I'm a, a taller guy, and as I pointed out to Greg earlier, I'm not a giant, but I'm certainly not, you know, I'm a I'm slightly above average. So, and I always look mean. Someone said I have resting Brett face. <laughs> so I look intim. I'm, I'm well aware of the fact that I might be intimidating to some people. Without intending to be, you just are. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I, when I'm taking a walk, whether it's in the morning or in the evening, I, I do what I can to, to make sure that I, when I encounter people that I don't uh, either intimidate them or startle them, if I, especially if I come up behind somebody, because it has happened where I've been walking behind somebody and then they, you know, they jump. Mm. Oh my God! So I try to take those steps. Up, for example, uh, especially on a dark street, like uh, if you're walking around River Heights at night, uh, the trees are old. There's very little light. Yeah. So if there is a a woman walking on the sidewalk, and I'm coming up behind her, and I know I'm going to pass her because I'm walking faster than than her. Right. Sometimes I might actually like go into the street, go around the parked cars, and then come back onto the sidewalk. Just make sure that I give her that wide berth. Somebody emailed me about that. Mm-hmm. And, well, you know what? Before I read Sleel's reaction to this, well, I guess what is your initial thought? Well, what you wrote me was what you just told me, but a little bit more. And what you said is, can we talk about this? And, and then you added a little part you said, because part of what goes on now is I'm a little bit worried that somebody might turn around and bear spray me or, <laughs> or spray me with mace or something, that people will perceive me as a threat and I will get punished because of that threat, even though I'm not intending to be a threat. I'm trying not to be threat. I don't intend to be and I'm not out to be perceived as a threat, but just there are qualities about me that people are going to presume and stereotype me as a threat, even though I'm not, that I might end up paying for something that isn't really, isn't anything that I'm doing bad. And it was sort of interesting to hear your fear at how other people might be handling their fear. Yeah, and it was, it was, that was meant to, like if I were to put it, put it into a pie chart, yeah. I would, I think that the the fear of being maced or something would, would get a smaller piece of that pie, but it is still a part of the issue. Um, Because part of that, because part of that is the fact that you would feel bad about making someone feel as though they were in a position where they had to use that, not necessarily about you getting, I think your bigger concern is making someone feel as though that they were feeling threatened, that they would have to break out these self-defense techniques versus the whole idea, oh, and I might get maced. No, the fact that he might feel someone feels so uncomfortable that they have to react that way. Well, and and I, I get what he's saying because I'm one of those people that loves walking along Wellington Crescent and River Heights in the evening. And when it's dark and if there's a guy that's Brett's size that is coming towards me or is coming up rapidly behind me, my heart rate goes up, right? I am one of those people that worries about people like you when I don't know you. Um, and you're right. You you would be intimidating and it would be worrisome for people because people have been known to be harmed, right? And so I think that some of that fear of how people are perceiving me and this this sort of the existence that you have where you know that people are, are intimidated and even somewhat fearful of you in a way that now that I know you, I wouldn't be frightened of you if I happened to meet you on Wellington, but so many people don't know you. Mm. And people make assumptions about you and they stereotype you because of your size in a way that isn't fair. 
There are people that I see somewhat regularly on Wellington Crescent now okay. in the, the the time that I do walk to work that I, that I will encounter, and they now recognize me, and their dogs recognize <laughs> me. Uh, but there, I think at first there 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 always is that some somewhat trepidation. Although there are, you know what, there are a couple of people who just good morning, hello, doesn't matter what look I have in my right. face. But I usually try to present myself if I someone is coming my way, I'll try to look their way, and if they're not looking at me, then I'll just. Well, there, there is a way in which I, I when you wrote to, that to me, I'm, I often sing, how can I relate to that story? And I remember when my son was having his birthday party, maybe he was six or seven years old. And um, there was a table full of kids that were eating hot dogs and potato chips and not, well, they don't really eat, right? They just more vibrate on the chairs at that age. <laughs> <laughs> And um, so they're they're vibrating, kind of talking loudly and stuff. And I had a towel over my shoulder because it's not like if somebody somebody's going to spill their cup, but when somebody spills their cup, right? And so there was a little boy across the table from where I was standing that spilled his cup on the table. And recognizing that that was likely going to happen, I whipped the towel off of my shoulder and I lunged across the table as this thing is spreading rapidly to, you know, land on various children as it drips over the edge of the table. And so as I'm lunging on this, you know, puddle that's getting bigger and bigger with his towel, the boy who spilled the drink sees the towel coming towards him and he recoils. He jumps back because he assumes that the towel that I am putting towards his direction, that I'm going to strike him with it. Oh my. And it it would never have occurred to me to strike a child for making a mistake, but he didn't know that. And so he jumped back from me. And one of my proudest parenting moments was my son who was sitting beside him turned to him and said, Oh, it's okay. We all make mistakes. It's okay. And and it was sort of nice to know that my son had internalized something that this boy hadn't. But this boy was frightened of me. Mm. But was, what was interesting for me to note was for the rest of that party, I was a little frightened of him because I knew that I had scared him and I wasn't quite sure now how to relate to him because he was a little fearful of me and that made me a little fearful of him because I didn't know if... If when I joked with him, he would know that I was joking. Maybe he would continue to be frightened of me. And it's it impacted my relationship with him just as much as it impacted his relationship with me. That's interesting. Well, let me read this email yeah. uh, from Sleel. He says, I don't get out of people's way. Not that I do a lot of walking the, about these days. But when I lived in the village, Osborne Village, or just walking about in general, in my studded leather, I walked around people the same way. I'm not going to act like I have to alter my life to let the snowflakes feel better that they aren't going to be attacked. Newsflash, everyone isn't out to get everyone. And coddling the mentality that has people acting like that just lets them keep acting like it. Maybe they should grow up and stop expecting me to act like a non-convicted individual living in the community. Because I won't. So, you know, Sleel is one of our loyal listeners, and he always has kind of an angry, sort of grumpy, curmudgeonly perspective, and it makes me laugh. But, it, you know, it made me think, well, am I being too sensitive to this? Like, should I, should I be this courteous? Well, and I think you're touching on something larger, and I, you know, you and I had emailed a little bit on this last night, and then I thought about it, and I emailed you back this morning. I... There was a little bit in me that kind of liked the fact that you were sort of struggling with the discomfort of noticing that people were frightened of you because, quite frankly, you're a white guy and the feeling that you have as a white guy is something that, and this is probably an uncomfortable conversation, um, your listeners kind of squirming about what I'm going to say next, um, that part of what we deal with in this culture is stereotypes and that as a white guy, you're at the kind of the top of the pyramid 
of privilege and of power. And if you were a different race and you were indigenous or you were African Canadian, um, it you would be asking this question and you would be having it differently than you're having it now because it is actually a really frightening thing for people that are of different visual, different visual ethnic stere- um, races. It's harder for them to walk down the street because people are making presumptions about them even stronger than what you're worried people are making about you. And it's dangerous for them to walk down the street because they don't know how people are going to react to them. It's dangerous for them to come across sometimes law enforcement because law enforcement have unconscious racism, as a lot of us do, without realizing it. And that affects how people relate to them because they make assumptions about how safe another person is. I can remember seeing a piece on American television, you know, African-American black kid in Chicago. I think he was on Oprah, in fact, talking about how when he walks down a street towards a, a white woman carrying her purse, he can see demonstrably, not every time, but more times than he's been able to keep count of how often they maybe adjust how they're holding their purse. They grip it a little tighter, adjust the positioning of their purse. And he says, I can notice it. And that has to affect affect a person's soul when you see people grabbing their things because they assume something about you. That shapes a person and that's hard for a person to see other people frightened of them. And that's part of what we have to recognize happens to you, Brett, in some contexts, but happens to a lot of people in in much greater form that you might not be aware of, frankly, because of white privilege. Well, and Dale texted us earlier in our last hour, Greg, Dale, and we'll just read the text again in case you didn't hear it, Carolyn. Dale says, uh, welcome to my world. Every day is a six foot three, his words, native man. I have to shop with my family and have floor walkers or employees follow me around. I don't even carry a backpack anymore because I got sick of being asked to open my bag or leave it at the counter. So, you know, that sort of ties into what you're talking about. Exactly what we're talking about. And I think we have to recognize that that is hard on people um, at a level that we can't even imagine as somebody who, uh, people, Caucasians who are members of the majority um, gen, uh, race here, um, that we have to recognize that that's hard on people. And we have to invite ourselves to having open and awkward conversations about people that don't have the advantage of white privilege. 246. On 680 CJOB, we're going to continue our conversation with Carolyn Clausen from Conexus Counseling. Her website, conexuscounseling.ca. More of our chat with Carolyn after your forecast. Up next, Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry, along with Carolyn Clausen, Conexus Counseling. We're talking about how you're perceived in society and how much does that weigh on you? How much should we be keeping that in mind as we make our way through life, through our daily routines, the way we're viewed? Are we doing ourselves more harm than good by perceiving perceiving ourselves a certain way and wearing the way others perceive us? Carolyn, am I outlining that a certain way that uh, is uncomfortable? Yeah, we were talking during the break too about um, like a lot of this has to do with fear, right? That Brett, you're trying to allay people's fears when you're walking behind them by making extra noise or taking a wide swath around them to help people be less anxious. Um, and I would be one of those people if I didn't know you that would be anxious if you were rushing up behind me. Yep. Um, the challenge, I think, for us all to recognize is that that in some ways this is an anxiety issue. And we are what we're trying to do is keep ourselves safe. And what we're often doing is presuming and potentially over-presuming how much danger there is out there. Where crimes happen, 
But we know crimes happen because we hear about them on the news, which you read to us, right? Mm. What we don't realize are the hundreds and thousands of people that walk along Wellington Crescent and don't get harmed. And that's not news because that's normal. But we sometimes forget that that's the normal and that's the default. And we live as if it's likely going to happen rather than statistically unlikely to happen. And I know um, there was a time when I ran along Wellington Crescent with a neighbor of mine, a fellow that was old enough to be my dad, and he just said hello to everybody all the time. Uh, And I couldn't believe how much friendlier Wellington Crescent became for me because people, most people did say hello back to him. And because I was running with him, I could see, you know, the positive response. And all of a sudden, the street became a friendlier place for me. And I started saying hello to more people because I realized that there are way more friendlier people out there than unfriendly people. Can I try and tie this discussion into the discussion we were having in the first hour? And, you know, you talk about uh, national retail chains that are, you know, either wanting you to leave their bag behind their desk or check your bag on the way out of their store as loss prevention. Uh, Think about if you ever go into the biggest convenience store chain, they always say hello. That's part of their loss mm. prevention strategy is making eye contact and saying hello to every customer that walks in the store. Okay. So, you know, there is something to what you're saying, right? When you say that hello and you've had that interaction and anonymity is the best friend of crime and those that yeah. are up to no good, right? We are wired for connection. And I think that's something that probably I say just about every half hour that I'm on here is that we all do better when we live as community with each other. And I think when we avert our eyes away from strangers who are large enough to hurt us, um, that is a way of we think of making ourselves feel safe because we're not inviting engagement that could be dangerous. But what we're also not doing is inviting connection that could develop familiarity and make the whole neighborhood safer as we get to know each other and as we spend time outside. And I think um, Donald Miller, who's one of my favorite authors, he writes this book called Scary Close. And he said that one of his scary close, scary close. Um, and one of his learning curves in life was to recognize that when you go to the beach, there's a lot more lifeguards than there are sharks. And he said, I, had to, I was living my life as if there was way more sharks than lifeguards. And I found that life was a lot, a lot more worth living when I was recognizing that most people are on the beach that are there to try to help and make it safe for you. They're not out there to harm you. But it's a, it's a shift for us all because the way the news is read, every, you know, every half hour around here, we get our nervous systems wired up for all the bad things that happened. And we don't have our nervous systems wired down because there is so much good happening in this world. And there is a lot of good happening in this world. So to, to just bring it back to the way that I behave on my walks, whether it's all on my way to work to along Wellington Crescent or at night just through the various streets of River Heights. So if someone is coming towards me, I will try to acknowledge them or say hello, partly I think to just to be friendly, yeah. but also to alleviate any sort of fear. But what about what, what should I do? Do you have any suggestions on what should I do if I'm coming up behind somebody? What would alleviate, what would make it easier for you if you could hear me coming behind you? What, and- I, what I think would be neat is if the same thing that the bikes do when they come up behind, they just say on your left. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, someone's kind of behind you, expect them to pass and it's less alarming. Um, and it's tricky because some often people have earbuds in and they don't hear you until you're real close and then they get real frightened. I don't think you have to take responsibility for other people's fear, but I do appreciate that you're empathic to other people's fears and that you're aware that your size can intimidate people. That that's, that's an act of compassion to say, I think this person might be alarmed. How can I reduce it? Uh, that's part of being in good community. And I appreciate that about you, Brett. 
I just want to quickly, and I, I don't say this to, to throw you under the bus, but we're getting some pushback texts Yes. Okay. on the subject of uh, how you mentioned white male privilege. So, yes. so some people are, are a little upset about about that. They're, they're saying that you're, you're sort of brandishing stereotypes. What do you say to, to that? Well, I think um, if people are upset about that, that means that we have created a conversation that they're going to have with somebody where they think I'm wrong. Um, and I think it invites dialogue and discussion. I'd invite you to look up articles. I know that I have been a benefit of white privilege. We can't not be a benefit of white privilege when we're white. We don't even realize unconsciously how we benefit from other people's oppression. Uh, that's a part of the culture we live in. And it's a part, it's not something that we intentionally take advantage of, but it's something that we benefit from. And so I think it's something that as people of privilege, we have to recognize that that's something that's around. And I think we have to recognize that we have the potential to use that to help others who don't benefit from that, to make this world a safer, kinder place for everybody. Well said, Carolyn. Uh, that's why I'm, I'm glad I, I asked you that. That's a perfect spot to close our chat with Carolyn Klotzen, who has a website, connectsuscounseling.ca. That's where her wonderful blog can be found, and that's where you can find her contact information if you would like to seek out her services as a therapist and counselor. Connectsus Counseling, Carolyn Klotzen. She joins us every Thursday at 2.30 on 680 CJOB. Recognize the bars? Yes, absolutely. Now I do. <laughs> you weren't sure before, were you? Well, it, it still sounded familiar, but I couldn't figure it out. But yeah, as soon as that that tune starts to go, instantly recognizable. Brett McGarry, Greg Mackling. That's uh, Eleanor McCain and her version of "Run to You." Of course, the Brian Adams classic. This is a part of an outstanding project, "Strong Free True North," the Canadian songbook in honor and in celebration of Canada's 150th birthday. Classical crossover recording artist and philanthropist Eleanor McCain is embracing Canada with her 32 song True North, the Canadian songbook, a musical love letter showcasing some of the best of our country songwriters, singers, orchestras, choirs, and arrangers. Eleanor joins us live now on 680 CJOB. Eleanor, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to join us today and do you get that reaction a lot when people hear your music for the first time and they're maybe caught off guard like that? <laughs> well, thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure to be talking to you guys today and to be in Winnipeg to sing with the uh, Winnipeg Symphony uh, Orchestra tonight at their gala. But um, it's I've had some really lovely reactions to this project. What is The best part about it is that it really, which is one of the things I hoped with this project, is is that people automatically sort of tap into their pride in being Canadian. And that's really one of the, the best reactions, I think, from this project and, and going and going from coast to coast with all the orchestras and recording with the, you know, with the guest artists and, and doing photographs in, in their beautiful landscape. It's really been a very rewarding process. So you're featuring, you're doing songs uh, not only by Brian Adams, but uh, we claim them as our own Neil Young, Leonard Cohen, Joni Mitchell, Anne Murray, Gordon Lightfoot, mm -hmm. Jan Arden, Sarah McLaughlin, Buffy St. <laughs> Marie, and more. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Well, like this is a genuine songbook. Uh, yes. Music goes such a long way in defining Canada. And I quite 
haven't quite put my finger on why. Uh, I don't know if it's like uh, lyrics from the Tragically Hip that are distinctly Canadian or a certain way we play our instruments, but it, you can tell Canadian music uh, is different from others mm-hmm. uh, and, and not just regionally. Yeah, it's great that, that um, you mention that and, and, and pick up on that. I would say through this whole process, um, I had the same kind of reaction. I've been, I'm a classical crossover artist. I actually don't write my own music, so I, I interpret music, and I've been doing that for many, many years. And so I really, you know, I really dig into the different types of songwriting. And um, I would say that having lived with this music for three years now, I think it's one of the most important things about this project is celebrating our Canadian songbook. And, you know, there's been a lot of uh, discussion about um, and people relate to the American songbook over, the, over you know, and have interpreted the American songbook for many years. But I don't think we've really, as a nation, really kind of tapped into the fact that we have a Canadian songbook, like a huge body of work, um, a huge history of songwriting that um, I don't I don't know if we really celebrated or maybe realize when like stop to think about how how huge our our catalog really is and how wonderful the songwriters are but to your point it's that's exactly the feeling I had throughout this process is that there's something about after interpreting music for many many years it's probably the catalog of music I've related to the most uh, um, throughout my many years of singing um in that it's it's a there's a very there's a an authenticity to the songwriting and it's down to earth it's really hits home and and for me personally it has on many many levels so I think we we have some of the best songwriters in the world. So Eleanor, you are performing tonight at the WSO's annual fundraising gala at the RBC Convention Center, and you're going to do four songs from the Canadian Songbook. Is there any chance you could maybe tell us which ones you'll be performing? <laughs> sure, I can actually. Actually, one of them you just played, "Run to You," and the wonderful thing about that that you, I'm glad you played that song because that actually features the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra on that track. Um, I'm also going to, going to be performing one of their other tracks. They actually did three in total on the album. Uh, and the other one I, uh, on the album is Helpless, which I'm going to do tonight by Neil Young. Um, another song tonight is Undone by The Guess Who, and it was written by Randy Bachman, also has Manitoba, Manitoba right, uh, roots. And Hallelujah, Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah tonight. Well, when you, when you mentioned uh, what Neil Young are you going to do tonight? Helpless. Uh, you know, when Neil Young couldn't make it to Winnipeg for the Juno Awards and Katie Lang sang oh, that song yeah. in his place, um, I was not a Katie Lang fan. I was indifferent to Katie Lang. Uh, I went from indifferent to absolute fan when she did that rendition here in Winnipeg oh, at the Junos. I, I, I can still, imagine. She's amazing. Oh, oh, absolutely <laughs> spine tingling just talking yeah. about it. Now, for those not lucky enough to be going to the gala tonight, you will be back in May as part of the WSO Air Canada Pops uh, yes. Uh, songbook. Yes, we're doing three shows, uh, May 26, 27, and 28. And this will be the first time that we've, uh, you know, other than this evening, but this will be the first full show of the for True North, the Canadian Songbook. So we are absolutely, everybody on the team, uh, my uh, producer and the pianist and music director that I work with, Don Brightup, um, and uh, three of, uh, three other guys who were the original um, band members on the album, uh, Mark Kelso, Pat Kilbride, and Justin Abaddon will be joining me as well. 
and it's the first time we get to showcase all of this music. We have some lovely things planned for the show, and Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra has been incredibly supportive of this project, so we're really happy to, to launch this with them in May. Eleanor, thank you for this. Enjoy your visit, and we'll see you back here in May. Maybe we can uh, do this again. Maybe you can come and see us in studio next time. I'd love to do that. That'd be awesome. Thanks so much for uh, for talking with me today. Eleanor McCain joining us. True North, the Canadian songbook. Uh, This featuring the sound writing prowess of Brian Adams, Jim Valance, and our own WSO. Brett, you've been up to some of your magic. Trying. Trying to. Okay. We have two beat the box office tickets to give away to Snake Oil Gets Twisted, featuring D. Snyder of Twisted Sister. You can't stop Monday, June 26th at the Burton Cummings Theatre. Snake Oil, if you are not familiar with this act, is described as the ultimate theatrical tribute to rock's biggest stars. And now they have one of them joining them for the show in D. Snyder. Tickets go on sale Friday morning. We've got two tickets to give away right now. And as we've been doing all week, we want to make sure that this goes to a metal fan, particularly for this time, sort of a hair metal kind kind of deal. So we want to know, based on this short clip we're about to play, can you name the band and the song? I'm just going to stop the music so it goes in cold. Here we go. Oh, boy. <laughs> this might... I gave you the thumbs up on that one. No, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure either. Going to do that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody will get it. I'm opening the phone lines. 204-780-6868. <laughs> you can name the band and the song from that .07 second clip. You're going to see Snake Oil Gets Twisted, featuring D. Snyder of Twisted Sister. Call now at 204-780-6868. While, oh, you know what, I can't, I was going to play the clip, but I can't play the clip until after. <laughs> until we declare a winner, <laughs> until someone has got the right answer. Jeff Forche is uh, on Master Control. Kyle Milroy was with us for a couple hours this afternoon. Mm-hmm. We would be remiss if we didn't thank him for his mastery yes. at uh, the controls. So uh, thank you, Kyle, for uh, pulling extra duty with us this afternoon. We know it's we're not the easiest two to work with, so we appreciate it very much. And we also want to thank, again, we got so much feedback. We got, oh, yeah, go ahead. We got so much feedback on our conversation from earlier today on the... The situation I encountered at this retail store where I was in the store for two minutes just to drop off my car, went to leave the store, and they wanted to check my bag. They did expl- There was a sign that explicitly said, all bags must be checked. <laughs> but I just figured, you know what, I'm going to be in here for like two minutes. I'm not going to bother taking, you know, going to the customer service, drop off my bag, go back to the auto desk, say, here's my key, go back to customer service, going to have my bag. We got so much feedback on this and on both sides, and that's what we were looking for. I didn't want people to just reaffirm my decision. I wanted to know if you didn't agree with me, why you didn't agree with me. So I thank you for that. I think think I've firmly decided that I probably should have just opened the bag, but I'm still firmly annoyed. I'm really annoyed. All right, then. And Clay, turn off your microphone. Clay's in the news booth getting ready for sports, and he just cracked his mic. <laughs> Sticky fingers, Clay Young. Maybe they should check Clay's bag. He's, he's breaking all the rules. Maybe he's breaking other rules. Jeff, do we have a winner? We do. He's just going to, you know, just crack Well, we got mic. a winner. I don't have my headphones on, so I can't hear. But Adam Stroman, 
Adam winner. Adam Strawman, thank you very much. Jeff Forte, Adam Strawman, congratulations for correctly being identified the band and song from this clip. <laughs> the answer. Rock you, Canadian band. We have one more pair of tickets to give away tomorrow for Snake Oil Gets Twisted, June 26th at the Burton Cummings Theatre, featuring Dee Snyder of Twisted Sister. Traffic, weather, sports, all coming up next. 3.38, clouding over. Tomorrow's going to be a nice day. Saturday, not so much. So if you can shuffle your schedule around, I suggest you do so. <laughs> that might not be that easy. Uh, Jason Savixe is a chair of marketing for Art in Bloom and planner at HTFC Planning and Design. He is joining us now. Something happening at the Eckert Hall at Winnipeg Art Gallery tomorrow at noon. Jason, what you got in store for us, man? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for Really good. Always good to talk to you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, you too. So, uh, yeah, I'm the chair of the Art and Blue Marketing Committee, and we've been working for the entire year now uh, for this weekend. Uh, April 21st to 23rd is the inaugural, um, not the inaugural, but the Art and Bloom Festival that kind of took a hiatus for the last 20 years. So it's returned <clears throat> at, at its uh, rightful home at the Winnipeg Art Gallery. And right now, uh, right at the Winnipeg Art Gallery, uh, there's about 20 different florists uh, from four different provinces, as well as an international florist, Holly Chapel from Washington, D.C., who's uh, showcasing how you can actually uh, create a living wall. So there's a 44-foot wide living wall with about 20,000 stems, some in bulb form, uh, that uh, have been repurposed into this um, amazing collaborative art uh, installation uh, right in the Winnipeg Art Gallery. So, you know, we know that uh, around this time, you know, uh, it's a bit gray outside and people are looking forward to the summer. And the festival itself is really meant as a way to reconnect people back to nature, the healing power of nature uh, during the shoulder season. So uh, when it's a bit grayer outside, now we can say that, you know, the grass is greener on the inside at the Winnipeg, Winnipeg Art Gallery. So, Jason, why was this event on hiatus for 20 years? You know, I think with a lot of these volunteer events, it, it, it really speaks to the um, capacity of the community. So I think, you know, um, there there may have not been the, the willingness from the community to get behind this. But I think this year, there's I can certainly say that there's about 45 people on the committee. <laughs> Sometimes you go to the committee meeting minutes and you forget who's who because there's been so much interest from different people to participate and to lend their support. So people are lending their support from getting people to volunteer, from getting florists to participate, to getting different community members to interpret the artwork, uh, and then also some folks who are interested in marketing it uh, as well. So I think that uh, this year, because more and more, you know, Manitoba is becoming a generous uh, and philanthropic community, I think uh, there was kind of a willingness to bring it back. When you look at the uh, the impact that uh, flowers and uh, you know natural beauty uh, in its different forms has on our state of mind, it's it's not hard to imagine why this is an a, part, a popular event or will be a popular event, Jason. Yeah, you know what I would say to my friends 
that in the summertime in Winnipeg, more and more people are smiling. They're happy to be outside. Uh, they're reconnecting with uh, great open spaces and green spaces and parks in our downtown and in our, in, in our city. <clears throat> and so, uh, yeah, it will be great for people to, to be able to catch that indoors as everything else in the city becomes more lush and things start to green uh, throughout uh, the neighborhood. And we know that uh, through, you know, leading up to the festival, there were a variety of different lead-up events. So we had speaker series. We had uh, talks with various experts in uh, in industries that connect back to nature. And there was a really good talk about um, forest bathing and how there's a stat that says if you forest bathe for about three hours, um, just basically being outdoors by trees, that it actually activates a killer cell um, that uh, attacks cancer in your body. So about 24, for more than 24 hours. So there's kind of some uh, some literature out there about the healing power of nature and how reconnecting that would be helpful for a lot of folks. That kind of ties into our whole conversation we had about uh, spending time at the cottage last week, right, Brett? That yeah. whole idea of sometimes a change is as good as a rest, and maybe there are some healing powers uh, to be found uh, on the shores of your favorite lake in in, in the forests and, and uh, other parts of nature. I think people just want to have a nice beverage, whether it's a beer or a nice cocktail. At <laughs> well, a, there's at a probably a little that, too. And, you know, I think more and more people are just interested in design, too, and, and conversations about that. Like we see with the cool gardens installations that happen in the summertime where, you know, there's landscapes where people can be outside and endure, enjoy the outdoors and, and get some shade. It's kind of that summer version of the winter warming huts. Uh, there's kind of a excitement to, to reconnect back to um, some of those landscapes and, and being outside. So, Jason, so, uh, 44 foot wide, 16 foot tall floral art piece. I think you said 20,000 stems. Uh, this mm-hmm. is going to be on display uh, Friday through Sunday. Right. How do you keep it alive for the weekend? <laughs> well, there's a lot of flowers, that's for sure. And uh, sustainability is important. I know that uh, Earth Day is coming up. Uh, and so um, all of the flowers after the festival will actually be repurposed and uh, will be provided through floral philanthropy to different community organizations, seniors' homes, different hospitals for patients, just to kind of brighten up people's day. So there's kind of that sustainability piece because there's going to be a lot of flowers that are used. Uh, and I guess just a lot of water <laughs> would be needed to keep it alive. I think what's really neat about the festival is that uh, it's not just florists that are that have created pieces. There's uh, been about 70-plus uh, professional and non-professional florists who've created designs based on um, Winnipeg Art Gallery uh, artworks. So they got to choose which artwork they wanted to kind of uh, reinterpret. So taking that still life and and making it into a a three-dimensional floral display. So kind of bringing back the art behind gardening and, and, and floral arrangements as well. Need tickets for any of these events, Jason? And if so, how do we get them? Yes, accessibility is really important to the committee, and so there is no added cost uh, for the festival. It's just the price of admission to the Winnipeg Art Gallery. So it's kind of a two-for-one. So literally, uh, you can't get a better deal, I don't think, for Winnipeggers. You get to check out the artwork, and you get to check out all the arrangements. And, you know, a 44-foot-wide, you know, green insulation makes for a really good selfie wall. So I think anybody (laughs) that doesn't think that they like flowers but they love social media, they should come out and get a nice photo. I know that... For sure, I'll be doing the same. Right on, Jason. And the art gallery is open till 9 o'clock tomorrow. It opens at 11 a.m. Saturday, 11 till 5, and then 11 to 5 once again on Sunday. Right on. Thanks, Jason.
Thank you. Jason Savixe is the chair of marketing for Art in Bloom, and he is also a planner at HTFC Planning and Design. Art in Bloom happening tomorrow uh, through the weekend at the Winnipeg Art Gallery, featuring a 44-foot-wide, 16-foot-tall floral art piece created by 20 Winnipeg florists, and it it contains 20,000 flowers. That sounds Pretty neat. 345 on 680 CJOB. Traffic, weather, and we'll hear from Richard and Julie to tee up the news. All coming up next. 349, Julie Buckingham, Richard Cloutier. Staggering into the studio. Where were you guys earlier today? (laughs) Oh, wait, you have a shopping hangover. A little bit of retail therapy going (laughs) on, but the stores weren't open yet. The stores aren't open yet. That's what I said. I said, I'll relax. It's not even open yet. Where were you? We were at the new outlet collection. See, she's beaming just even mentioning the fact that she was there. (laughs) Yeah. Took a picture of uh, Saxoff Fifth. It's beautiful inside. Going to be good? Oh, yeah. Going to be gooder? Not a problem. It's called industrial chic. That's how they describe the layout and the interior interior of of, of the outlet. Industrial chic. So it looks a little bit, you know, outlet like you've seen in the United States. But it's a, a nice, sleek layout, and uh, I guess about 20, 30 stores are new to the Winnipeg market altogether. So DSW Shoes, I've got a shoe habit, and uh, the uh, the sacks will be okay. I'm still a Nordstrom Rack guy, by the okay. way. Okay, okay. Well, that's, that's not all on your the time list. in Minnesota. Not on the list. You, you like your, your Minnesota stuff. Yeah, we've got a post on, on, and we'll share it to our 680 CJOB Facebook page After right now. After 4 o'clock. Right now, it's on our own personal page. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't long. like it to get lost in the shuffle. Okay. 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 All but, right. So I was right. It will be after four o'clock, right? Part of me? It will be I will after share four it. Yes. Yeah. So right now it's already on my personal page yes. asking you whether having something like this will keep you on this side of the border. And uh, did I see the N word? Did I see Nike on the list? Yes. Nike is on the list. Yes. Fantastic. Yes. I, I posted a picture of, of the list of stores as well. Yes. Nike uh, Outlet, Under, Under Armour. Under Armour. Yeah. Under pretty, Armour. Yeah. Yes. Do you think that other retailers are frightened of this outlet mall opening up? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it's uh, with so many of them being new, I think. I'll share the wealth a little bit. I think it's going to bring so many more people in. Like already on my page, it's people from Thunder Bay saying, post the list. I want to know who's there because they're already coming here to go to Ikea and places like that. They're mm-hmm. just going to add this to the list. It's definitely slowed the development though north of here because they cannot fill that Target store. And the vision there was that Target would be the hub for a very similar type of development here has not materialized whatsoever. And you can't underestimate the impact of uh, shopping online. And, you know, how many of us in our lives are doing that online? I still like to go and feel and see and try on like most of us do. But the impact of online is huge. Is, is this a real indication of the strength of the economy in Manitoba that something like this is coming? Or, or, or can we make too much of something no, like this? No, you can't because the retail economy and uh, buying stuff is still huge in the North American economy. You know, we'll occasionally do the stories about people, you know, uh, cutting cords, et cetera, not. No, we still like to buy, We still buy, like buy. stuff, and there is something that is going to be called the collection perks. So there's a discount card of Discount sorts. on the discount. Yep. I like it. Yeah, I and, to uh, talking. And a very cool shopping cart, uh, yeah. especially for, for kids. For kids. It's got like, kind of like a built-in iPad. 
Oh, that's Keep good. the kids mm. entertained. Well, <laughs> crack for kids. That's great. <laughs> sorry, sorry. So uh, yesterday we talked about the 30th anniversary of The Simpsons. Did you take the quiz? I heard m- Brett took it multiple times till he got yeah. the answer that he wanted. Well, which it wasn't was... so much the answer I wanted. It was just I was curious to see what would happen because there were some where I was like, well, I could. There were multiple choices right. that were fitting. So yes. I try. I got Homer. I got <laughs> okay. Mr. Burns. And I, I think with Mr. Burns, I only changed one or two answers. And then for the third one was uh, Sideshow Bob. And so. you know what? Uh, two out of the three of those, no one else got. Uh, okay. Heather Steele was was Mr. Burns. Uh, Sideshow Bob and and Homer, no one else got those. Did that, you take the quiz? I was Mr. Burns. You were Mr. Burns as well. I was, I was Lisa. And um, of course. <laughs> How Everyone's perfect is that? Julie's a nice, caring person, it's and Lisa perfect. is a nice, caring person. Uh, yes. What'd yes. you get, Kluchik? You're not a nice, caring person. He got Troy McClure. You may remember me from such <laughs> favorites as Earwigs. Did Ew. you really? Yeah. And you know what? The clip that I found, he never stopped talking. So it was perfect. It was perfect. But speaking of Springfield, we have Rick Springfield tickets up for grabs today. Outstanding. Sometimes the radio gods are just yep. too kind, right? And you right? see this? The piece of paper? And now you don't. These tickets? You see them? Now yeah. you don't. We have Darcy Oak tickets, too. Oh. That was a magic. <laughs> it was a magic trick. Third show, right? It. Yes. And Incredible. we have tickets. So we've got, like, all kinds of stuff to give away today. Thanks, all right. Chris. What Rich she said. Kluche, Julie Buckingham, <laughs> thank you so much, you two. They're coming up from 4 until 7 on 680 CJOB. Thank you, Greg Mackling. Thank you, Jeff Forte. Thank you for all of your feedback, you listening to this radio station at 680 CJOB. All your texts, emails, phone calls. We love it, and we'll keep it going tomorrow. Mackling and McGarry on 680 CJOB.